0: Interested in taking a deep dive each week into a compliance or compliance-related topic? Then Compliance into the Weeds is the podcast for you. Join Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, and Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, as they go into the weeds to flesh out a story which you can use to better inform your compliance program. Both you and your compliance program will be the better for listening to this podcast. Compliance into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.
1: In this episode, Matt Kelly and I take a deep dive into the Trump administration harassment of Princeton University around its diversity training and take a look at the FinCEN papers and what it might mean for enforcement going forward. Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance or what I believe, unfortunately, is going to be probably our most depressing podcast ever. Maybe uh, Matt can upbeat us at the end, but Matt, first of all, welcome.
0: Hello, Tom. Um, I can also tell listeners, no, I don't think we're going to have an upbeat uh, discussion here today. Listeners should know, Tom and I, we had a dispute about which issue we should talk about that would be more relevant and more depressing and more disturbing for listeners, and we couldn't reach a decision. So we've got a couple of different things on the plate, but Tom, that's where we are.
1: So I suppose we should say, of course, it all starts with uh, the Trump administration, but it involves abuse of power, it involves abuse of compliance, it involves regulators not doing their job. Uh, it's just a plethora of uh, F-ups that uh, probably would only occur during this administration, but uh You want to start with uh, your candidate for prize?
0: Yeah, sure. So my candidate for really disturbing compliance incident that compliance officers should be watching is the Trump administration's attack on diversity training and very specifically an investigation that the education department has opened into Princeton University. Um, Spoiler alert. Tom is going to talk about the FinCEN files. I would describe FinCEN as a big, slow-moving iceberg that we can talk about, and we will later on. But this diversity training attack and the investigation into Princeton, this, I would say the metaphor here, is more like a knife in the back to organizations. Uh, So here's what has happened with diversity training and the Trump admin. Is about two weeks ago, President Trump Uh, basically issued a presidential directive, which is something weaker than an executive order, but stronger than a tweet, uh, where he directed all government agencies to review their own training programs for any references to white privilege, critical race theory, or, quote, un-American propaganda, unquote. Uh, What does that actually mean? We don't really know. I mean, you. it does mean that if your diversity training used the phrase white privilege or critical race theory, uh, then you were supposed to stop using that training or divest from the training or otherwise don't spend federal agency dollars on that training. What does the un-American propaganda part mean? Lord knows, other than, you know, of course, Trump being Trump, it means that white people are elevated above other people. And it goes on from there. It's you know rooted in his usual white power, white supremacy sort of nonsense lately. Um, but that is all that he originally had said, and it only applied to government agencies. But at the time, a light went off in my head. And I was like, this is going to wind up also applying to government contractors and anybody who has received federal dollars, public universities healthcare systems, government contractors. And I I said to myself, watch, somebody somewhere is going to get swept into this, even though they're not a government agency. Lo and behold, over the weekend, the education department issued a notice to Princeton University and specifically sent a letter to the president of the university. Uh, The president had said recently in a welcome back note to students and staff at Princeton, um, that Princeton, like many other organizations, is still struggling with racism, and direct quote from his letter here, that, quote, racism and its damage it does to people of color nevertheless persist at Princeton, close quote. Even though Princeton has done many things over the last few decades to make strides against racial discrimination, but the president of, the, uh, of Princeton had said that, look, we still have work to do. The education department, in its letter on September 16, took those words and weaponized them back against the university, where they said, well, clearly then, that means if you have admitted racism, and that's exactly what the education department letter said, the schools admitted admitted racism, then calls into question whether its representations of compliance with federal civil rights, rights law were false. So now the education department is going to investigate Princeton, for the president of the university saying, we still have work to do to fight racism. And it sent a boatload of document requests, a boatload of data requests, and demanded that the university president and Princeton's head of compliance uh, for federal education and anti-discrimination law, that the head of compliance, they both given interviews to the education department under oath. Now, this is clearly stemming from President Trump's anti-diversity training directive, but Trump had said government agencies. Well, Princeton's not a government agency. Princeton is an independent institution, and now they've been sucked into this. And the other thing that catches my eye is that the Office of Management and Budget for the Trump administration, which is the conduit between the White House and the rest of the federal government. It's like the CFO's office for the entire Trump administration. The OMB has created a dedicated email address and is calling for employees and people generally of any company, anywhere, any organization. If you think your diversity training supports uh, white privilege or or talks about white privilege or critical race theory or is otherwise un-American propaganda, then you, employee, should bring that to the attention of the Trump administration. And what will they do with it? We don't know, except they just did this against Princeton University, where because Princeton said, we are trying to fight racism, but we still have work to do, The education department says, oh, well, clearly, then maybe you are lying about your compliance attestations that you've been making all these years. Let's have an investigation. And anybody who thinks that this might not somehow sweep up your own company with your own diversity training, because maybe you provide services to the federal government, maybe you are in healthcare, maybe you're in education, maybe you're in IT services, maybe you sell things to the General Services Administration. If you don't think that this might somehow blow up in your face, reread what Princeton University got. And like I said, a knife in the back. Um, And I realized, and Tom, you're going to say, I know, that uh, this is just Um, electioneering on the Trump administration, typical race baiting, white supremacy nonsense that Trump needs to get re-election. And Tom, you are absolutely correct when you're going to say that in about two minutes. But I would say to everybody listening, think about what would happen here if Trump wins re-election, because I think in a second term, he is going to take this test case against Princeton University and see how else he could apply it because really he's talking about creating an administrative state that will use regulatory enforcement to satisfy whatever political whims he has on that particular day. Um, And given the rather reckless and ignorant impulses we see from Donald Trump at pretty much all times, um, I think that's a very dangerous precedent that he's trying to set. He's setting it right now to save his own neck come November, but if he sets it, and he wins re-election, he's still going to have that precedent. And he still might expand it into who knows what, into FCPA investigations, that maybe he just, he likes a certain CEO, so he's going to shut down that FCPA investigation, or he doesn't like some other company, so he's going to launch an FCPA investigation. That is the natural outcome of what we're watching here with anti-diversity training initiatives from Trump and the education department and all of this nonsense. And anybody who thinks that A.G. William Barr would not do this, you need your head examined. Of course he would do it. Um, He has pretty much said that in a speech that he gave the other week, that of course he can put political interests into regulatory and law enforcement investigations, because as he said, I'm the A.G., I'm the one who gets to do it. The the FBI and the Justice Department, they all work for me. Um, So we I see some very dangerous forces that Trump is putting into motion. His thing against diversity training is just the first, but I don't think it will be the last. And that's why, Tom, among all the things we could talk about, this anti-diversity stunt and the um, experiment he's conducting with Princeton, I'll put it that way. I think those are pretty telling. And that's my thing.
1: So for listeners of this podcast, they will clearly recognize Conspiracy Matt at his finest there. But don't worry, Conspiracy Tom will come out on the next part. But right now, I'm going to be rational, Tom, because um, I really don't see, and once again, this is a legal perspective, uh, I don't see anything wrong with asking someone to provide an audit trail of the certifications that you have made. I don't see anything wrong about, essentially, uh, the letter didn't specify to compliance officers. It specified a designated corporate representative with knowledge regarding the basis and accuracies of, for instance, compliance attestations. Under the federal rules of civil procedure, that's called a 12B-6 witness, and it's a a mandatory witness in every federal civil trial. So uh, I'm not quite sure um, the specific attack on Princeton is as nefarious as perhaps you see it, Matt, although uh, I do see the uh, OMB's uh, hotline for um, anti-American propaganda as certainly uh, right up the alley of a fascist regime as well, if I can go down that path a little bit. Um, the, the entire exercise uh, seems to me to be the continued bumbles and stumbles of idiots that only could work in a government under a Trump administration where um, they have completely fumbled effed, uh this a- exercise. It is far too overbroad. And I think any federal judge will uh, cut back on this um, request for documentation and request for an interview, and probably Princeton can drag it out until after January 21st. But so, let me uh, ask this,
0: Tom. Let me ask this. If Princeton's university president had not made a statement, we still have work to do to fight racism. If he had never said that, would we even be having this conversation because the education department still did it? He made a politically incorrect statement in the eyes of the president, and the president moved the mechanisms of enforcement in the education department to conduct basically a witch hunt, because the president of Princeton said something politically inopportune. And that's, I think, is my concern here, is that if he can do this once, he's going to do it much more often in many more ways, come a second term, if, God help us, that comes to pass.
1: Uh, See, I think the statement really had nothing to do with this. This was a witch hunt waiting to happen. And uh, they, they picked Princeton because of this statement, but they would have picked Harvard or Yale or, or some other Ivy League institution to uh, try to suck up to Trump's base uh, while doing race baiting?
0: That I, I, I beg to differ. I think that uh, they are doing this. Like you said, they would have found somebody else to pick on if that other person had made a politically incorrect statement in the eyes of the president. But the through line here is that if you make some statement that the president doesn't like, he's going to sick his investigators onto you. And he's trying to expand that as much as he possibly can. Um, right now, he's doing it to shore up his political base of white supremacists, hence the focus on diversity training. But it will be something else come 2021 if he's still in office. And I, I look at that with alarm
1: will be anything un-American. Anything
0: un-American as defined by Donald J. Trump.
1: Well, now let me go to the one that really got my attention. And and you wrote, I thought, a great piece on this, Matt. Uh, There's uh, been quite a bit written, and that is the release of the FinCEN files. This follows the Panama Papers, uh, the Paradise Papers, uh, the Luxembourg Papers, where a collection of more than uh, – or a collection of international journalists – in a group called the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, uh, somehow got uh, a lot of private data, uh, and this time it came from FinCEN, more most specifically, suspicious activity reports that banks had filed with FinCEN from 1999 to 2017, and these files showed that more than two trillion—that's with the T, R, not the B. In uh, suspicious activity uh, reports, went through five banks in particular JP Morgan, Standard Charter, Bank of New York, HSBC, and Deutsche Bank, our good friend, um, where the compliance function correctly identified a suspicious transaction and the bank let it go through. And FinCEN did nothing. Uh, so it was a, a huge release. FinCEN had a press release saying that, oh, my gosh, now Social Security's been breached. We were doing something in um, a very retrospective look back. Uh, Deutsche Bank uh, was the clear winner here with over $1.3 billion in suspicious activities. Um, uh, JP Morgan, uh, $514 billion, um, and it just goes down the list. Uh, what struck me, Matt, was a couple of things. Uh, one was the complete... Uh, You called it disempowerment of compliance officers. I think they've been completely disemboweled. I think compliance actually did their job. They found a suspicious activity. They reported that suspicious activity in the government-approved form, and it was approved by the business interests of the bank. It then went to the regulators where it is sat, and nothing has happened. Um, I recognize the difficulty in connecting shell corporations to some of these, but that's where... Uh, the bad guys are able to uh, exploit weaknesses, and for the regulator to have over $2 trillion in reported suspicious activities and literally nothing got done out of it really speaks to the complete uh, eff- effervation, uh, effervation of FinCEN. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, I cannot blame the Trump administration for this because this happened over multiple uh, administrations, including uh, the Obama administration. But it leads to a point that uh, you ended with, uh, which is that elections have consequences and that uh, you uh, correctly, I think, noted that the Democrats could use this information to not only overhaul the bank secrecy rules, which probably do need overhaul as they're almost 30 years old, but to really force banks to not simply have disemboweled compliance functions that identify uh, suspicious activities and illegal transactions, but to actually doing something about it. Uh, so that I view this as an opportunity if, if the right administration is in play. Uh, it, clearly, if the Trump administration is back in power, uh, they're going to do nothing because corrupt banks is how they want to do business. But um, I think this is, is the far bigger scandal because of its worldwide scope.
0: What would this look like under a Democratic-controlled Washington? Um I did see already that Senators Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are pointing to the FinCEN papers now uh to say that there should be more action around AML compliance and revisiting FinCEN regulations and the Bank Secrecy Act. Um I have no idea what that might mean, but I do know that anytime Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are talking about financial regulation, most bank executives will probably start breathing out of a paper bag to calm their nerves. Um and, you know, it, it does uh, it, it is interesting to speculate that under a Biden administration, if one comes to pass with Democrats in charge, which may well come to pass, uh, we could see a lot of substantial overhaul here. I wonder how far some of that could go, um, such as the biggest problem with shell companies is actually in the state of Delaware, not at a national level. So could Congress preempt um the corporation laws in Delaware to bring more light to the shell companies that exist there? I mean, maybe they could. I don't know. Um, I think a lot of it also has to do with technology. And what struck me with the FinCEN files was that there were so many instances of compliance officers piecing together a problem after it had already happened. And then they do report a suspicious activity re- report. They file one. But for activity that fi- that had happened Years earlier. So who cares? Um, and Tom, you know, you talked a couple of times about the $2 trillion. That is $2 trillion based upon the 2,100 or so SARs that BuzzFeed was leaked from FinCEN somehow, when there are millions. Of SARs in that FinCEN database. So when we talk about two trillion dollars, we all know actually it's far, far more illicit money than the two trillion. I don't even know what it would be, but um, like I said, FinCEN is going to be a big, slow-moving thing that eventually will impact and possibly transform the banking sector quite a bit. I just don't know when it's going to happen, but it'll be a spectacle when it does.
1: I'd like to just give a shout out to the international consortium of investigative journalists who have just done uh, yeoman's work in exposing, uh, shell corporations. Now these, uh, in the FinCEN files, but Panama Papers, Paradise Papers. And, uh, I just hope they can keep up their good work. Amen. Well, Matt, um, perhaps we could end with somewhat of an upbeat, um, note that really, um, elections do have consequences. And if people are concerned about, uh, uh, un-American activity and what that may mean, and how the Trump administration may go after people civilly and criminally for that, and how uh, FinCEN has overlooked the $2 trillion that we know of. Uh, perhaps uh, they will understand the consequences of why voting in this election is so important. I hope so, Tom. Well, Matt, I hope we can come up with uh, something a little more upbeat next week. This is Tom Fox. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have any questions, you can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can email me tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we take up another topic and take a deep dive into the weeds of it. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks again for listening, thanks for being a loyal listener, and we look forward to visiting with you again. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please leave a message on the speaker app on the Compliance Podcast Network.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.